0: Spook Show. Uh, I'm Kyle Carezzi, and it's wonderful to do this every week. I always start with a little piano intro right when I get to the theme. It's just uh, bliss and beauty. doing is drawing one card for the theme of tonight's stories and then four more. Each of those four will be an installment of each story. Tonight's story is gonna be... (laughs) Uh, The Skulls of White Castle. story is called How Not to Make Hot Cocoa. A lot of trouble working the graveyard shift at White Castle because he, he could have sworn one too many people went in to get fast food after seeing Harold and Kumar go to White Castle that old comedy from well over a decade ago at this point of people stroll in at two or three in the morning after the bars and clubs close and they say oh I want to have a sweet White Castle adventure so they get all their friends and buy all the tiny little cheeseburgers they can buy that's the specialty of White Castle little tiny cheeseburger sliders expecting, which is often how it goes, isn't it? So when he's starting his shift one night, or one afternoon rather, this time he would start at 5 o'clock p.m. for the dinner rush, and then he would be dismissed at 7 a.m., a hefty 12-hour shift, but he's done it before and he could do it again, excuse me, 14 hours. He started at 7 p.m. and he would leave at 7 a.m. He showed up f- at 5 p.m. anyway, cause he wanted to be like a good employee, but he's really just overworking himself. So he clocked in soon enough for the dinner rush, you know, just a lot of uh, Families eating and whatnot, or people just wanting a quick bite, you know? It was a simple enough type of customer service. three others, rather. So before the assistant manager goes, uh, she says, hey, Arnold. And Arnold says, yeah? I don't know if I told you this yet, or if you heard it from anyone else. But you know how we always stop serving cocoa and coffee midday? And Arnold said, yeah, yeah, it's been the policy so far. says, well, we're going to be serving coffee and cocoa all night, you know, because a lot of people who uh, leave after the bar rush, you know, they want to get, like, sober up a little bit, you know, get coffee, kind of chill out a bit, and Arnold says, oh, but it's such a pain to get the uh, machine started again, and the assistant manager said, yeah, I know, I know, but it's just our new policy now, you know, the head manager's into it, I guess, you know, just on a whim. So if anyone asks for coffee, just make them a cup. And then Arnold reiterated, that includes cocoa too, right? The manager said, yes, cocoa indeed. didn't like about working graveyard shifts sometimes was, when it was slow, it gave him too much time to think. At the ripe age of 19, he had his whole life ahead of him, but he didn't quite know at the time that he was only feeling trapped wasn't actually. He could have left that job anytime. could have found something better he had the type of support where he could do that but he was caught it in, in his own head feeling like he had to commit to the labor of white castle not that it was such an unrelenting job but it's something you could certainly do too much of Clock at this point, and uh, Arnold's uh, buddy Simon, you know, they're just chatting about stuff, you know, chatting about movies, you know, chatting about the John Wick movies and the uh, next Matrix movie. And it's just like, well, yeah, I think it's gonna be good, you know. Keanu has long hair, but yeah, Lawrence Fishburne isn't gonna be in it though, but it's just like, nah, no, nah, no, I'll still be cool anyway, you know, surely. Midnight. Actually, it was uh, about seven minutes till midnight. And he's wearing a green, a dark green raincoat. When it's only been drizzling outside, he shrouds his face when he comes in, and then pulls off his hood when he enters. And it's, uh, he's feeling pretty chilly, you know, from being wet outside, so he just kind of rubs his hand together, rubs his hands together, and just cruises the menu. And Simon's operating the cash register, he's just like, oh yeah, what do you want tonight? and the, the man says ah oh, don't you mean this morning and then Simon says oh well it's not technically midnight yet and the other guy's like oh right ha 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 you know the two other people Arnold and Simon were working with were kind of losing their heads a bit for the mundane uh, late night fast food joke but at that point Arnold and Simon were already used to it You know, I don't know if I want to eat or not. I'm not that hungry. You know, do you have any like tea or something? And then Simon says, No, no, we don't have tea. We just got uh, coffee and cocoa right now. And the man says, Oh, you're serving it this late? And Simon says, Yeah, yeah, we are. It's a new thing we're doing. You know, a lot of people want late night coffee and caffeine and chocolate and all that stuff. And the man says, Alright, yeah, I'll do that. It sounds really good. Yeah, cocoa sounds great. I'll have some of that. So Simon rings it up. And then Arnold, also working the front end, he's looking for a bag of cocoa to put in. But they're out of cocoa. Now, Arnold, being overworked, clocking in uh, two hours sooner than he had to, already having a grueling work week overworked. He's just like, ah, fuck, fuck, what am I gonna do? So he panicked more than he should've. So he just, like, scouted the white castle for anything to serve in the heat of the moment. He couldn't find any cocoa, he only found a bunch of coffee bags. So he kept looking and looking. And on a whim, he checked the freezer. scouting it, scouting the shelves, you know, just had a lot of White Castle meat and burgers and cheese and all of that, condiments, fries, you know, the works. And he's just like, oh, I gotta find something, surely something will do. Middle shelf, tucked away in the corner, was a bag of cocoa uh, that was already opened, but it was sealed up and tightened by a, a couple of paper clips. So he kind of just shrugs and he says, Alright, this is gonna have to do. Looks kind of gray, which makes him nervous. And he just thinks, well, hopefully it tastes like cocoa at least. You know, maybe there's some chocolate around that I can add. Maybe some syrup or something. So he puts the cocoa into the machine. You know, empties the bag into it It starts the hot water and it's just and he says says to simon all right it's going to be about another two minutes or so and then simon turns to the guy he says yeah it's going to be ready in three minutes and the guy said all right splendid very nice thanks boys so he sits alone in the uh dining area which is pretty desolate at this late hour exhausted, announces that he's going to take a break, so he goes out the back way, starts lighting a cigarette in like a light drizzle, that picks up the longer he smokes, and his co-worker that's working the kitchen that night, uh, named Reese, he's also smoking a cigarette, he's just feeling pretty pissed off and bitter. Not very thrilled about working that graveyard shift at that particular night. And he just looks at the sky and says, uh, it's gonna be a food, full moon tonight. Too bad we can't see it because of this damn rain. And Ardle uh, just nods, saying, oh, yeah, yeah. Too kind of tired and zonked out to really register a conversation. So they're smoking together in silence. And then, uh, Arnold asks Reese, uh, Hey, do you know when the next shipment of cocoa is gonna be in?
1: He didn't know why
0: he asked Reese. You know, Ree- he knew Reese didn- really didn't care about his job. And Reese said no, why? Are we out? And Arnold said, yeah, yeah, I just uh, used this uh, old bag uh, for this one batch a uh, person wanted. I was actually going to ask you if we have any uh, chocolate syrup in the place, you know. Maybe I can add more flavor to it because it seemed pretty old. And then Reese looked very grim. in the freezer that was paper-clipped up? And Arnold said, yeah, yeah, that's the one. And Reese said, and you served that to a customer? And Arnold said, well, no, not yet. It's brewing, though. And then Reese tosses his unfinished cigarette and he says, we have to take that out right now. And Arnold says, what, why? And then Reese says, just, uh, whatever. So he storms in, Arnold extinguishes his cigarette prematurely and follows Reese, and then Reese and Arnold walk in, seeing Simon serve the cup of cocoa to the customer in the green rain jacket, and the customer is very relieved for such a hot beverage. He takes a sip that was a little bit too hot, and then he just sits in the dining area. oh no, oh God, and he storms out and he nudges the other co-worker named Alvin, and he says, all right, Alvin, we gotta go. And Alvin says, why, Reese? And then Reese says, because someone drank that that, uh, that one cocoa pouch. And Alvin says, not the cocoa pouch. And then Reese says, yes, that cocoa pouch, we gotta get out of here. just quickly packing their shit, Simon and Arnold approach, and they're just like, what the hell's going on? And then Alvin said, that's not how you make hot cocoa, and then Reese said, easy, easy. Arnold, do you know what was in that hot cocoa pouch that you gave to that mysterious customer? Said, no, I don't. I thought it was just like Coco, you know, seemed pretty old. And then Reese said, huh, pretty old. It's ancient. How Cocoa was made from cremated remains. It was a prank that me and Alvin were gonna do. But then we decided against it, because it'd be too fucked up. Drinking it, you know. Not gross them out too much, you know. We can give them a free coffee or something to supplement it. And they said, no, you don't ever understand. Those cremated remains are cursed. Sold to us in the back alley of uh, this white castle. We didn't know what that person's deal was. We asked him, why are you selling this at a white castle? And he says, uh, it's just part of a tradition, you know? We thought, oh, that's weird, but uh, we'll take the remains. But he warned us. Whoever you feed those remains to, will become a hideous, vicious beast tear apart the place and everything it sees, so if you ever do serve anyone this cocoa, you better sprint in the other direction, and that's what we're doing now, Grace and Alvin were finished packing, without saying another word, they just left. You know what? I think that's all bullshit. You know, serial killer remains. Like, what's what's even that? And Arnold's just like, yeah, those guys are assholes anyway. We can run this place ourselves, even during the midnight rush and the post bar rush at 3 a.m. or whatever. and thunder booms, and the customer starts howling and screaming very loudly, clutching his stomach and falling over, it was the most vicious blood curling scream. Several spirits encompassing one body, and all thirsting for blood. The wind and the thunder and the rain was howling outside. And then Simon backs away, and he says, I don't get paid enough for this, and he just starts to sprint out the door, and the wind comes in, and all the napkins are swirling around in the room, and then Simon beckons to Arnold, 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 we gotta get out of here, and Arnold's just like, nah dude, I can call the police, we can hold down the fort, we can do this, and then Simon continues to beckon to Arnold, Arnold, that's a paranormal deity, thirsting for blood, I don't want to be here when it's time for it to feast. We have to leave now. And er- Arnold says, yeah, yeah, but maybe we can just like hide away nearby, you know, so we can clock out for our shift and all. And Simon says, clock out, what do you mean? And Arnold just says, well, you know, I'm still on my shift, you know, I was hoping for like a big like pay this, you know, I wanted to get like more installments on my car and all that. And Simon just says, Arnold, we got to get out of here right now it's obviously not safe here and then Arnold's just like, yeah, you know but I think, you know, I think we can weigh it out I think if we trap the beast in like a broom closet or something wait for a place to come with weapons and whatnot they can just like use some force and it'll be taken care of And Simon just said, Arnold, you're gonna die here if you stay and then Arnold says, well, you know, if that happens you know, so be it, you know, as long as I get to if I do die, as long as I get to do what I believe in and I believe And a hard day's work. And then Simon just slowly shakes his head. And he says, Arnold, it's just a job. And Arnold says, well, it's more to me. And Simon, knowing he can't say anything else to persuade him, leaves and leaves Arnold with the transfigured beast. Snout, snarling and howling through the dining area of White Castle. So Arnold, not knowing what to do, uh, he gets a cutting knife and uh, he tapes it to a broomstick and he tries to prod at the beast, you know, trying to back it away out of the out of the restaurant. He says, "Ah, oh, get back! Get out of here!" The beast takes its many limbs and uh, tears up a broomstick with ease, and then goes, lunges at Arnold, pins him down, rips off his head, and then scoops his brains out from his skull and devours them. hot cocoa in the framework of the skulls of White Castle that's one skull down I don't know if it's a skull by skull basis with these stories but we shall see alright now this next story is called The Amazing Man-Spider. I'm gonna try not to get sued with this one. in business that the White Castle on Allen Boulevard would always have would be during convention season. There was a Parking Lot Comic Con Outside the Convention Center It didn't attract the usual uh, Commercialism That comes with Comic Cons these days Nah, these were People just in the comics People who collected them People who made them Whether it was Uh, a commercial Marvel or DC piece or just a locally published zine in this parking lot convention everyone just sold all the comics that they liked all their personal art that were iterations of themselves it was a nice way to get families together and to hang out during the summer. And it was just, you know, everyone just got together It kind of took the shape of a tailgating party in a parking lot before a sports game. People had barbecues, people just had like, own, it was just like a nice little town get-together. One place was the, that was close by, where everyone would usually eat afterwards, would be the White Castle in Allen. Found out who did that. Police uh, went to suspect. uh, beast that emerged from White Castle and then Simon said I'm telling you that White Castle is cursed I think the thing I saw that one horrific night this is part of a long standing tradition of the fucked up things that happen in the White Castle on Allen Boulevard that white castle you know they still wanted business they tried to rebrand it a little bit you know they didn't want anyone to think of that horrific murder when they would eat those goddamn delicious sliders so they had a mostly new turnover of staff It would be callous to say that they pretended it never happened that's what they did. And the town forgot about it enough, so that people from the parking lot comic convention could swing by Allen Boulevard for some burgers and whatnot, and just hang out there. That was the one thing that was special about this White Castle. It was a place you can hang out. It was a community center in some ways, which you can't say that a lot about most fast food places, but you could hear, which makes it more upsetting that people just brush off that mysterious murder. So as the sun began to set, people from the convention came in and started to be crowded at first. To get less crowded. There are some diehard comic fans that there, you know, really in the Marvel and all that jazz. They were hanging out at the White Castle. Uh, they had a friend there named Cindy, who's working at that White Castle, who just started. And her two friends, uh, Johnny and Jacob, were just hanging out at White Castle, you know, chatting with her, just talking about comics. Cindy was uh, was at the parking lot convention, but then had to work that night, so they all agreed that they'd keep hanging out despite her having to work. So Johnny, Jacob, and Cindy were all hanging out at the White Castle, you know, talking about comics and stuff. So uh, Cindy and Johnny are having their uh, eternal debate Spider-Man, about the Spider-Man movies and whatnot, Cindy pretty much gave up on Marvel and uh, considered most of the Enterprise as just like a cash grab and whatnot, she was telling Johnny, I mean, you know, like this is the third Spider-Man franchise in what, like 15 years, you know, who really needs it? And then Johnny's just like, no, but they're getting it right this time. You know, uh, the spider, Pete, the Pete, this Peter Parker has like an accent now from where he's from in New York, and it's, it's great, you know? And she's just like, yeah, whatever, I'm not buying it. All those movies are just based off the power dynamics of studio and franchise ex- executives, and you know what? As fascinating as that is from, you know, I'm just not into it as far as a cinematic experience, you know. I want art. And then Jacob said, oh, so you want a more artistic Spider-Man? And then Johnny says, oh, now you got him started. And Cindy said, what? What do you mean? And then Jacob pulls out a comic that he gets. It's called The Amazing Man-Spider. And he's just like, yeah, this is uh, like Spider-Man, but it's actually a more grim, realistic look of how someone actually gets spider powers, you know? Spider-Man makes it all cool. You know, he can jump really high and shoot like webs and stuff with little inventions he did. But if you were actually bit by a radioactive spider got spider powers, you know, you'd become a very grotesque beast, like like the fly or something. And Cindy's just like, oh, so it's about the harrowing human experience, about that. And Johnny says, yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, Jacob says, yeah, exactly. But uh, Johnny agrees. It's not that he doesn't like the comic, but it's just like, yeah, I'm more of a Spider-Man guy, whatever. And then Jacob says, "Yeah, I picked up some comics at the uh, parking lot, you know." So he showed them the Cindy, you know, all the comics that he had about the Amazing Man Spider. How it was, how it was a very uh, similar premise to Spider-Man, you know, uh, a kid gets bit by a radioactive spider, but instead of getting really cool spider powers, he just mutilates into like this spider beast and then just has to cope with it. It's more like a metamorphosis from uh, Franz Kafka, like if anything, you know. And he has to deal with that torment forever of being just like this giant spider monster. And Cindy's just like, oh, yeah. She's just like, oh, nice. I could totally get into this. And then Jacob's just, la- Jacob just laughs at Johnny. He says, "Ha, huh, got an- another convert for a man spider." And Johnny's just like, "Yeah, yeah, whatever," you know. Cindy when she has a free moment. But then when Cindy goes to Jacob and she's about to ask if uh, she can borrow any sort of uh, any of these man-spider comics so that she can read them when she has more time, and then she feels a pinch on her hand, and she says, ow, fuck, and she looks at it. bit by a very mysterious looking spider. She's just like, oh, damn it, it's spider bite. And then Jacob's just like, what? And then Cindy's like, yeah, I got bit by a spider, you know, kind of like a spider man or a man spider or whatever. And then Jacob's like, oh, what did the spider look like? And then Cindy says, oh, yeah, it's on the counter, actually, it's right there. So, Jacob looks at it, examines it, notices the patterns on its back and all that, and then he goes back into the comic, and then he reads and it's the same pattern as in the comic. And then Jacob says, Cindy, you were bit by the same spider that man spider was bitten by. Oh no, that's that's ridiculous. You know, it's just a comic or whatever. But then Jacob says no, but Cindy. Man, Spider was based on a true story. And Cindy says what? And then Jacob says yeah, yeah, that's a the cartoonist made this comic about his friend who's bit by a spider. And then steadily turned into a spider, and then uh, it's it's a tragic portrait actually. But he made it into like a into like a badass like kick punch kind of comic to like make some money off it, just how you did in the 90s, I guess. But yeah, it's you have to like see a doctor or someone. That's ridiculous. And she's just, like, scratching her hand manically. Pretending it's not itchy, but she's totally scratching it ferociously. So the night goes on, and, uh, Sydney's doing her shift, and eventually, uh... Jacob and Johnny leave, and uh, Jacob says, but seriously, though, see a doctor. I don't want to see you but turn into a man spider or something. But she's just like, oh, I won't, whatever. But she's still itching the spider bite. So she's doing her shift at Void Castle. She wasn't doing a graveyard shift, but she was doing a swing shift. It was fairly populated in the White Castle on Allen Boulevard, one that's known to be uh, cursed in some iteration. So she's going through her shift, you know, doing a cashier job, trying to be charming with the customers, you know. Trying to be friendly and all that, you know, getting the orders right, you know. It was very simple work, ultimately, in terms of, uh, the tasks involved. But then she noticed her vision starts to get a little bit blurry. She starts to feel a little dizzy. And she has trouble focusing on conversations and on the customers. to take a quick break, and she rushes into the uh, into the bathroom to look at herself in the mirror. And then, when she looks at her face, she sees all these little sores start to appear. And she takes a close look at them, as if you. He- There's pupils behind them, and she's growing a new set of eyes, six extra eyes. So she rushes into the stall, and then lifts up her shirt, and she sees tiny little sprouts coming out of her torso, and she says, oh god. Must be the the extra legs. So when so when she realizes uh, this, she rush, rushes out of the bathroom and tells everyone that she's extremely sick and has to leave. her car, opens it, gets in, starts driving. Starts to feel an uh, immense pain all around her body. She looks at the rearview mirror and sees that the eyes are sprouting. She's starting to feel her extra legs poke through her shirt. She's so distracted by these rapid changes that she crashes her car. crash but when she wakes up it's already very late at night she tries to check her phone to see the time but she doesn't have hands anymore she just has little uh, spider claw things at this point. She has multiple legs. She's still fairly sentient. She still has human thoughts. But she can feel her humanness drift away. And we have them more... They're becoming more spider-like. there's not too much I can do about this newfound found spider curse and she saw that she crashed near some woods and then she thought huh isn't it funny it's kind of like that scene in Harold and Kumar go to White Castle where they derail off-road and then crash into the woods And then they encounter a mountain lion or something. She didn't remember the movie well, but a lot of people talked about it at her work. So then she goes into the woods and decides to live the rest of her days as the amazing man-spider that she's become. Next story, in the spirit of the Skulls of White Castle, is called... And this next story is called Golden Purell Cartel. of April 12th after the horrible mysterious murder of Arnold, the White Castle employee and then after the mysterious disappearance of Cindy, the White Castle employee during the 2020 COVID-19 pandemic the halls of White Castle were shut down of drive-through service, the customers of White Castle wouldn't come in. They would do curbside pickup and drive-through. White Castle knew that nothing else was really open. Customers were uh the I mean uh the employees were a bit relieved. In this uh particular White Castle, uh they're reasonably compensated with hazard pay, uh not like the likes of Amazon or Kroger or Walmart or any other of those wretched companies. White Castle, you know, coped with the pandemic as well as a business could. They kept limited hours and kept a, their staff employed, you know, practicing social distancing measures. Yeah, but what about the, uh, the vicious, uh, mysterious murder of, uh, that one White Castle employee you had where the cameras were cut off? And what about the disappearance of, uh, that other White Castle employee who's allegedly living in the dense forest as uh, a giant spider person? And the manager says, yeah, well, you know, no business is perfect. Uh, as far as that first murder, you know, the three boys that were, uh, On shift, you know, they were arrested and sent to jail, you know. They were the culprits of that murder. I mean, I don't know how they scooped that uh, poor young lad's brains out of his skull, but they managed to do it. As far as I'm concerned, she uh quit without giving her two weeks. You know, there's no evidence that she's now this uh, mysterious spider person living in the forests. You know, capturing people who wander into her web. I don't know if she's like this spider queen or whatnot. You know, I wouldn't know of anything about that deity. I mean, a former for, former employee. You know, why cat wits, you know. We're just trying to, we're just trying to do right by our employees, that's all. Now it's worth noting that this storyteller doesn't really know how White Castle really treats their employees, or how they are as a company, but in this specific narrative, the manager sounds a bit fishy. 12th. Everything was still locked down. But they still had their drive through operational. They had a limited chat, li- limited staff. or not a graveyard shift but a swing shift rather and he announces to everyone alright one thing I want to make clear to every one of you is I'm going to have some people counting stock in here that has nothing to do with White Castle and I just want you to pay no mind to them to not ask them what they're doing and generally not worry about it. And the rest of the staff seems puzzled by it, you know. They just think, uh, what is, what's, what is this? Is this, uh, this guy trying to get an organized crime to, you know, lift the profits a little bit? Or is this just, like, gonna be a front for some mobsters? Or what's the deal with this? And then later in the evening, uh, some dudes in leather jackets. They pull out some bags and, they bring in some bags and boxes. And then starts unpacking them. available to be a bunch of hand sanitizer bottles, and they're just like, oh, I see. Apparently, the manager of this particularly spooky White Castle is using the store as a a place for the Purell cartel to count up their money and to count up their product. To store their boxes and whatnot. Now, by Purell Cartel, what that means is this is not a pre established Purell, Purell Cartel that started the COVID pandemic in order to sell hand sanitizer. No, these were people who bought a bunch of hand sanitizer during the first wave of the pandemic hysteria with the attempts to resell resell them in the gouged prices. And apparently the manager of this mysterious white castle was a part of this scam and used his dining room for storage and all that stuff for the counting of, uh, not technically illegal, but kind of fucked up capitalistically. This one White Castle employee named Jonathan. He just uh, started at that location uh, after Sydney quit. He ended up taking her position. But he's watching these guys, you know, count their uh, Purell goods and whatnot. And he doesn't really like it, personally. up to them, and he says, listen, I get that all is fair in love and capitalism, but don't you think it's fucked up that you're hoarding potentially a medical need for a large string of people who need it more, and who may not afford the high prices you're going to jack this up? Guys in these leather jackets uh, named Cochran, he says, You know, this is just how it is, kid. You know, when you see a need, you fill a need, it's that simple. You know, in this case, I see that a lot of people need hand sanitizer. So, me and my friends, we bought as much as we could sell it for a higher price. Then he says, here, you can have a free bottle here. So he hands him a three-ounce bottle of sanitizer. And then Jonathan just, like, throws the sanitizer at him. And he says, I don't want it. says fine kid, you know buy it for uh, 10 bucks a pop at uh, some Rite Aid or something good luck finding it so then Jonathan goes through a shift And he says, man, they don't know anything about this White Castle, you know, they don't know anything about the mysterious murder, they don't know anything about the mysterious disappearance of that one employee that might be like a spider person in the woods, I don't know. called them in his head. And he says, oh, you know what? I know a stockpile of uh, medical supplies that you can resell at a higher price through Amazon or something like that. And then the dudes in the leather jackets are just like, oh yeah, now we're talking. And it's just like, yeah, it's uh, there's a little cabin in the woods, you know, where all this medical all these masks are hoarded, you know. Apparently the federal government was running out of warehouses to hoard them but they started to just pick random locations in different forested areas so that they could ac- access them quickly for that specific region. at him, was just like, alright, yeah, we will see this. That'll be cool. And then Jonathan says, yeah, I want to show you, specifically. And the, the guy who presented the hand sanitizer initially was just like, alright, kid, alright, I'll bite, you know, see what you have to show us. So later that night, uh, Guy in a leather jacket uh, follows Jonathan in his car up to the woods. And Jonathan stops and points at a cabin up ahead, and he's like, alright, it's right over there, pretty spacious, you know, pretty an easy access point for any federal government wanting to access uh, hoarded medical supplies. And then the guy nods, still not trusting the situation, still holding his pistol. walking toward the cabin and then he suddenly stops feeling like he's being caught in a web he's just like what the hell is going on and then he looks up and then he sees the vicious fangs of Cindy the man spider that was uh, transformed that Jonathan took her job jacket is just like, oh, what the hell is going on? And he's, Jonathan just says, oh well, I gotta feed my partner somehow. And the guy from the Purell cartel is just like, what? He's just like, yeah. And Jonathan says, yeah, that's right. I knew what happened to Cindy when she was uh, dis- when she disappeared from White Castle, but uh, that White Castle location decided to bury it. But I found her in the woods like this. So I do what I can to take care of her. And if that includes feeding her creeps like you, then, you know, I'm gonna do that too. So the person from the Purell Cartel... He didn't quite understand why was being fed. Ultimately, Jonathan wanted him to know that uh, his ways of hoarding medical supplies to resell them at a higher cost was inherently wrong, and that's why he was being fed by a giant spider. But uh, the Purell Cartel guy was more distracted about being fed to a giant spider ultimately. That was kind of the, his main last thoughts as he was being uh, wrapped up and devoured. thoughts then like really dawn on him when he died, but you know, sometimes there are only things God can explain. out of White Castle, and I really just want to like bring it home, you know. Yeah, Let's see what this last one is. I think fast food fiction is like its whole thing, <laughs> and I really w- I want to I want to do this last one right. All right. So concerning uh, the skulls of White Castle, this last story is called the cow that never sleeps. (laughs) Ah. You pray to the spook gods and they answer. Castle, But they were cracked down eventually uh, due to food sanitation uh, concerns. The, this storyteller is very fond of White Castle as a food. He had it today, actually, and it was very delicious. It was in the microwave, but still, it was pretty good. But this particular White Castle had a lot of issues. Food sanitation aside, But also covering up murders, burying disappearances, and hoarding medical supplies. But eventually the uh, location was shut down due to frequent food sanitation issues no amount of Harold and Kumar go to White Castle nostalgia could keep this specific location open. As the months passed uh, with the property being uh, unattended to the place got dusty a lot of cobwebs built up. And eventually a lot of people didn't pay the White Castle any mind people out of town will just drive by and they'd just be like oh is that a white castle let's go and someone else would be like no no it's closed and it's just like oh let's go somewhere else and they go to like a burger king or a mcdonald's or arby's or whatever It and, uh, try to go to, like, a really cool, uh, haunted location, trying to prove themselves in some way, maybe, for the long string of reasons why anyone would go to somewhere abandoned and spooky. something beautiful aesthetically or maybe to just have a new enthralling experience altogether however as kids came to visit and uh Also possibly YouTubers that specialize in haunted locations that kind of just bring cameras to abandoned places and just kind of films it and whatnot. One thing that everyone started to notice was... A lot of skulls started to accumulate in the location. Popping up. And then it started to get a reputation in the town, just being all like, where the hell are these skulls of White
1: Castle coming from?
0: skulls and bones would be cleared out, more would arrive. And then I got the attention of a private investigator. And all that. And he got really into this white castle business. So uh Benjamin Hatt decided to investigate. So what he decided to do after the next cleanup of this white castle when the skulls and the bones would be cleared out. He would stake outside of it to see if any activity happened. And he also noticed that the skulls were both of human bones and cow bones as well weren't just specifically human all kinds of skulls Uh, rodents larger mammals livestock predators Uh, spend a lot of nights alone Night by night No activity Sometimes eat would uh, see some squirrels or something Try to hang out with them for a little bit Benjamin Hatt wasn't the most uh, social person. He devoted himself to his work. Probably didn't spend enough time with people. So, as he spent these long nights uh, scouting the White Castle, his mind went adrift. had sworn he'd see between the trees of the woods a mysterious giant spider but he dismissed that as a hallucination of some sort From all the long hours he would spend stalking this white castle but then there was one night uh, he saw people carry some bags inside of the
1: White Castle.
0: So we tried to creep to the window to see what was actually happening. And he'd see them set up the skulls in a certain assort- assortment. Area. So reluctantly he followed. The further he went down the stairs, the brighter it got in these yellow and orange tints. When we entered the basement, he saw. and shirts. So Benjamin crept forward and he says, What's what's going on here? And one of the people said, Welcome to White Castle. Can I take your order? And then Benjamin says, What? What do you What do you mean? I'll take a couple of burgers, let's say four sliders and some fries. So the White Castle employee says, coming right up. So then another White Castle person starts carving out of the cow, which moans very desperately serve meat on a plate, and they just drop a raw potato in the plate, and then serve it to Benjamin hat, and he says, alright, here you go, enjoy yourself. And then Benjamin says, you just served me raw meat and a potato, but then he watches the cow. And the cow starts reforming itself, from when it was cut. happened. The wound healed itself. And then another another White Castle employee who was uh, in charge of uh, serving sodas and whatnot just shouted out, this cow never sleeps and never dies. So Benjamin Hatch says, well, I mean, this is a marvel in science. this beautiful creature, just to, you know, just to serve White Castle food. I mean, I like White Castle as much as the nest- next guy, but this cow should be studied, maybe we can learn something about uh, curing disease and ending suffering before we end life and all of that. Castle employee says, but the cow needs skulls, though, in order to live. And Benjamin says, that's something the cow told you, or is it something that you believe yourself? And the White Castle employee didn't answer. And Benjamin said, that's what I thought. And then Benjamin said, alright, I'm making a... Citizen's arrest here, I'm taking this cow out of here. The skulls of White Castle can wait. This uh this cow must be known known about, you know. And then the White Castle the White Castle employee says, No, but the cow can only survive here. It can't survive in the outside world. It can only be used to make delicious White Castle sliders and all that. And then Benjamin says, Yeah, well cow just living only to be slaughtered over and over again There's no way to live in my book. We're taking this cow out of here to be treated right so we can learn from it and advance the species in some way. So Benjamin takes the cow. It's reluctant at first, but he pulls, he ties a rope around it and then pulls on it. And the cow re- reluctantly complies. The employees try to stop him, but they're too mal- malnourished to really put up a fight, living on a, you know, raw meat and White Castle burgers. As good as White Castle burgers are, doesn't really, uh, not the best for any sort of, like, physical endurance, you know? So it takes a while, but Benjamin and Jill- eventually... Takes the cow out of the, out of White Castle, and the cow starts to moan desperately once again for a different reason. It's blood curdling, even. And Benjamin says, "Come on, I want to take you somewhere safe. Let's go." shove the cow into the back of his car. There's barely any room for it. It's a very tight space. Then he starts driving. But the cow keeps moaning again. It starts to shake itself a little bit. Harder and harder for Benjamin to drive, and Benjamin just says, "Can you quit it? We're almost to the. We're almost to my house. You know, we can call someone, get a specialist over, kind of like, you know, figure out like what your deal is. Why you're seemingly immortal? Maybe we can learn from you. Maybe we can learn from each other." But then the cow reaches over and uh, bites Benjamin in the side of the face. And then it's enough for Benjamin to derail from the road, driving downhill into the outskirts of the woods. And then he uh, lifts his head up, his forehead's bleeding. And he says, huh, this is very similar to that scene in Harold and Kumar when they get into a car accident on the outskirts of of the woods he realizes it, the cow jimmys a lock and then breaks out of his car and then starts prin- sprinting toward the forest. And he heard stories about this forest. He didn't believe them, but he still didn't want the cow out alone. So Benjamin just says, cow, come back! Cow that never sleeps, please return! So he's running toward the cow, hearing its mooing and its moaning. trees passing them by as they pass by his his visual perception. Some branches hit him, he goes goes through some shrubbery, some leaves, some thorns, gets cut a few times, but he doesn't care, he just wants to save the cow, he wasn't convinced that those white castle skull obsessionists knew what was best for the cow but he thought he did so Benjamin keeps running and then eventually he finds the cow once again but the cow isn't moving for some reason must be tired out or something and he says uh come on cow it occurred to him that he didn't know the cow's name and he's just like a oh, white castle cow uh cow that never sleeps come on let's let's go let's go to some uh medical lab where you can be researched but not be mistreated you know we're not gonna like slaughter you repeatedly or anything but again the cow doesn't move But then eventually, Benjamin sees above him a large, giant man-spider shape. He didn't know at the time, but it was Cindy, who previously worked at White Castle, coming down from her long web, ready to feast on its prey, the uh, mysterious cow that never sleeps. the cow, and the cow moans in a unpleasant ease, but as uh, Cindy takes more bites, the cow regenerates itself, you know, it doesn't seem to be too appeased by the pain, and the spider creature seems confused, and then takes more bites. Of the white castle cow but still the cow regenerates once again so Benjamin is stuck watching this process of uh, an immovable object encountering an uh, unstoppable force of just this giant spider creature devouring this prey that can never be fully eaten Uh, it's kind of like uh, watching a sunset, I guess. You know, it's just watching this eternal process. You know, um, and eventually he just watch he watches until the sun comes up, and then Cindy eventually goes to sleep. As she sleeps, in a uh, this opportunity to try to untangle the cow, this mysterious white castle cow. So he goes up and tries to untangle the cow from her web. She's like, alright cow, let's uh, alright let me help you out here. So he does what he can, he takes takes a pocket knife that he has, takes some twigs that he finds and tries to unravel the cow. practically a day, half a day's worth of effort, he finally succeeds, the cow is, uh, successfully untangled from the web, Then Benjamin sighs in relief, and he says, all right, now let's, uh, all right, White Castle, cow, let's, uh, take you back to the car, but then the cow sur- suddenly rams Benjamin into the web, and he gets stuck into it. And he's just like, oh no, what the hell? And then the cow moves defiantly and then walks off in the direction of the White Castle. He spends that whole afternoon trying to get uncaught from the web. Wrangles himself as much as he can, but only gets himself more caught into it. wonders why that cow wants to be in the White Castle in the first place, to be made in Burgers. He wishes he never encountered that White Castle in the first place. So as he wrangles, tries to out himself from the uh, spider web. And he looks up, and Cindy, the spider person, descends upon him. And thus concludes this uh, fast food-themed batch of stories. Thank mm. you.